Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. I like my song better than your song, the one that you chose at the beginning of this podcast. But people hear that and they know it's Daily Bible Time. They do know that. And I, th- I think we should, maybe we should hire the worship team to create our song for us. Yeah. Or they could just give their time to create the song for us. Yeah. Well, hi, Spirit Heavenly Rewards. It's better than Molar, which Heavenly is like, dun, 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 No, it sounds like a dun, news dun, briefing. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It sounds like a news briefing. That makes sense. Dude, this whatever. is like, hey, let's go saunter in the hills while the sun rises. We're no. dancing and frolicking. You shot down my first option and you said, I like this one. I, but better if one between the two options. Well, this sounds like we're, we're dancing in the hills. Like, like sound of music like that. We're dancing. What version of sound of music did you watch growing up? I, well, I watched the normal one. I'm just saying it. This is what it feels like. It gives me that sense. Like if the sun were just rising over the horizon, there's green hills that we're dancing on. I've been to the Von Trapp family lodge. Did you know that? I did not know that. They That's are pretty cool. the people that the book is, or is, that the play was written about. Is that in California? It's not. It's in Vermont. Vermont. I know. Yeah. And what I cross country skied when I was growing up there and it was the worst experience of my life. I didn't know you cross country skied. I can't, but I, w- my Tried. mom was like, let's go cross country skiing. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do you that. Did. Dorothy, did. good job. What did take him out of his comfort zone? I did. Cause in my, in my mind, I've only been real skiing once too, which is probably good because like, I, I just was thinking like Bodie Miller and the downhill skis. And, uh, I just pointed both my skis down and just went, that's, have you heard of a yard good. sale? Do you know what that is? I do know what a yard sale is. Yeah. But on the ski slope, ski slope. Oh no, I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah. That's when you wipe out and then you lose all of your stuff and people are bringing it down to that's the bottom funny. of the mountain. Yep. That's that was funny. me. I like that. Hey, it's Tanner Sugatan's Sugatan's Sugatan, bro. Sugatan. You know how old he is? I don't. Sace. Six. That's right. That's six. Six years old. What Tanner, you happy birthday. Six? Yeah, happy birthday. You know who's also birthday we skipped and missed by accident? Sarah Kelly. Sarah Kelly. It's Sarah Kelly's. Happy happy birthday, birthday Sarah Kelly. Sarah. I mean, I, I don't happy think we even. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Sarah. And Tanner. And Tanner. Happy birthday, happy birthday to, to you. you. Yeah, well, I don't think we even acknowledged that when we saw Sarah, but we will acknowledge Tanner. I don't think Tanner. so. Maybe this weekend when we see Sarah on the worship team, we, we should, should sing to her. We should do it on the worship team we'll and do that. the service. And if we see Tanner, maybe we should sing to Tanner We'll too. lift him up. You know, he's a jolly good fellow. Throw him in the air. We could do that. We could do we that. We should throw everybody in the air whose birthday it is. Whoa. You're writing checks with your mouth that I, I said don't know we that should. your arms we are going to be able to cash. I mean, as long as you keep working out, bro, I think we'll be all right. <sighs> Have you seen Annie? She's pretty big. <laughs> I feel like the trouble with Annie, she might go into orbit. We yeah, might never get possible. her back. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Let's not do that. Okay. Hey, uh, Isaiah 13, 14 and 15 and Galatians 6. Yeah. We're going to finish Galatians today. We are, but not Isaiah. 
Not Isaiah. No, we're only like a quarter of the way through Isaiah. I mean, I'm okay with that. After today. I'm okay with that. Hey, uh, so we're entering into a, a new section here in Isaiah. So Isaiah, if you think about it this way, chapters 13 through 35 uh, really is establishing the God of Israel as the God of the nations. So there's going to be a lot of language, a lot of talk about these different nations. We're talking about Babylon. We're talking about Philistia. We're talking about Assyria still a little bit. It's important to know here that the message here contained in these chapters is still a message for Judah not for these nations. The, the prophet is not going to the nations delivering this stuff to them. He's talking to Judah and what he wants Judah to remember is the God of, of Israel is the sovereign God of the nations. And so this is meant to be a, a, an informative, a doctrinal, a, an encouraging, a hopeful concept for Judah if they understand what the prophet's trying to drive at here. So is there no sense in which the nations are being addressed? I mean, are they? is, is this a real warning to them, a real like, hey, heads up, or is it just like, hey, this is just for Israel and Judah? I, I think it's primarily for Israel and Judah. I, I don't think well, that, primarily, yeah, I would yeah, say, but I it's don't not think, secondarily. I I don't know how it would be unless they somehow got their hands on one of the scrolls. I think that's feasible, which is possible, which is possible. But all that to say, Isaiah wasn't walking into the, the court of the king of Babylon saying, right. hey, listen. Right. In fact, what's important about that, and, and we need to talk about this, Babylon didn't come on the scene as a world power until almost 100 years after Isaiah was done. Wow. So why is he talking to Babylon in, in chapter 13? Babylon is a city. Warn him. But he's not. It's not a nation at this point. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple options here, right? This is a, a future warning that, that we've talked about that before. The future perfect concept that this is something that is written as though it's happening now or already happened, but it's yet a future event. Right. So that's possible. The second thing that's possible is Babylon has often and, and for a long time throughout the pages of scripture represented the concepts of pride and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does in at the end as well. In, in the book of Revelation, Babylon is brought back up. There's a new Babylon and it's the pride and it's the arrogance of the world against Jesus at that time as he's coming back. And so there's a, a concept here, and, and that's why I brought up that Babylon was on the map. It was a city. And even at this time, Babylon was known for its pridefulness and its arrogance mm-hmm. at, at this season, even as Isaiah was writing in contemporary time. So which is it? Is it the future? Is it the, the eschatological future? Or is it the present? And I think the answer is yes. I think there's elements you of, like those things, of all you? of you it. Do that all the time. I, I do. I do. Because you like it, those in, in, incompatible things. And you're like, is it, is it black or is it white? Yes. Is it hot or is it cold? Yes. <laughs> is it a Christian or non-Christian? Yes. <laughs> I'm just noticing you do it. That's all. I, I just noticing that you do it. It's yeah, cool. Well, and hopefully it reminds us that, that God doesn't fit in nice, neat boxes. All, all about time, that. Right? I will amen that up and down. And, and, and I, that's my point, Pastor Rod. That's my point. <laughs> Uh, because it's a great point here he's he is talking about the destruction the judgment against babylon but i think there's elements here to say this is more than babylon for example look at verse 11 of chapter 13 where he says i will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity he's talking about a much broader scope and sequence than he than than simply historical babylon here he has a broader audience in view and so can we see this as isaiah looking forward to to babylon that was going to rise and, and come and, and attack the southern kingdoms and carry off Daniel and, the, and his three friends. Yeah, we can. And in fact, down in verse 17, he talks about the Medes, right? He, I'm stirring up the Medes against them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you know the history of the season, if you've read the book of Daniel, you, you know that the Medes and the Persians were the ones that came and took Babylon off the, the world scene here. So that is is another instance there that would lend this to being historical Babylon that, that would follow uh, soon after Isaiah's uh, prof- prophetic reign. But 
I think there's also elements here that are pointing future to the the eschatological reality of what this is going to be. Certainly. I think one of the things it does for Israel and, and for Judah is to remind them that God's got He's got everything under control and his timing and his purposes. Um, let them be warned right now. I mean, because think about when Isaiah is writing this, they're still yet in the future between uh, Israel's being taken out by Assyria and Judah's 586 BC when they're taken out by by Babylon. Uh, it's a warning for them as much as it is for the nations. You, you better be, on, uh, be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. This is why the fear of God is such an important concept because we often make God look like he's, I don't know, he's impotent and somewhat Mm -hmm. pathetic. He's kind of begging for our love and our submission. Make no mistakes. God is a God not to be trifled with. Yeah. In fact, we're going to talk about that this coming Sunday in John's gospel because Jesus comes into the temple mount and finds that the Jewish people there have turned it into a a place to line their pockets. I mean, one of our distinctives at Compass Bible Church is we seek to maintain a high view of God or we have a high view of God that is something that was lacking on the temple mount when Jesus came up there. They they were treating God casually and, and with flippancy and they didn't care about what anyone thought until here's God in the flesh showing up to bring judgment against the people right yeah. there. And there's a, a real sense that God in the flesh is coming back again, not as savior, but as judge to do business against those that are not fearing God in the future. Right. And that's, you know, it's talked about here. It's mentioned here, the day of the Lord, that, that concept of that future eschatological judgment that's coming. And that's another reason to think that this is looking not just to the near future as in shortly after Isaiah's lifetime, but also to the future in eschatology that hasn't come yet. That is going to be the day of the Lord. Right. And I think it's so important too. I, uh, our, our eight distinctives, one of those distinctives is we seek to maintain a high view of God. Right. And the reason is because we so often drift toward domestication. Right. We treat God like a house pet, right. like a genie, someone who's safe and, and fuzzy and cuddly. Right. Um, and certainly there is something to that. I mean, God is, he's defined as love, right? God is love, First John 4, 9. And yet he is a consuming fire. Right. He is a God not to be trifled with. He's imminent and transcendent. Those are Ooh. two concepts that are, are held in tension. Again, that's another yes answer, right? <laughs> he's imminent, imminent or transcendent? he's near to us and, and he's accessible. And Hebrews 4, as Christians, we can draw near to the throne of grace boldly even. Right. Uh, but then he's transcendent. He's other. He is He is the God of Isaiah 6, where Isaiah says, woe is me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? Mm. I mean, he's both of those things at the same time, and we need to, to hold that intention. That's right. So chapter 13, dealing with Babylon and, uh, and the warnings therein about the coming judgment in the end. Chapter 14 then begins with uh, another encouraging uh, glimpse here, looking forward to the millennial kingdom. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will again choose Israel and will set them in their own land. Sojourners will join them and will attach themselves to the house of Jacob. So here's a, a picture of the, the future of God fulfilling some of these promises to Israel, uh, promises that are yet to be fulfilled that have not yet been fulfilled. Um, and then in, in chapter 14, following here, there's the, the taunt that then the people of Israel, the, the mocking is what that word means. If you see that title in your ESV, what is a taunt? It's, it's to mock, it's to make fun of, um, and they're, they're mocking, they're making fun of the, the fate of Babylon. Right. And part of the reason for that is because Babylon represents all that evil stands for. Right. It is the enemy and his works in the world. Right. Now, chapter 14 verses 12 and following. Let's let's talk about this for a second because some people will teach that this has to do with the fall of Satan. Other people will say this is not Satan, but that this is a reference specifically to the king of Babylon. And so 
when we look at it, it it's opens there. How are, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of the dawn. And so even there in your ESV Bibles, you'll see that O day star, day star is capitalized. Son of the mm-hmm. dawn is capitalized. And they're so you showing see, your hand there. Right. They're, they're telling you, we think that this is a, a formal person. They're, they're giving your, you the impression that this is Satan and the fall of Satan that's being depicted here. Um, and again, if Babylon is representing the world system, then it would make sense that this would be their leader, their ruler, falling from from heaven mm-hmm. um it's also interesting to note here that the the name for day star in uh, in the original there is ishtar which was uh, uh also the name of a canaanite god who was known for having tried a coup in the the heavens with all of the gods that failed mm. and so there's interesting parallelism there between this canaanite concept and the the idea that we know from satan that he tried to launch a coup against the god of heaven and as we see here fell nothing new under the sun right because he wanted to be like god he wanted and that's what the rest of this section uh, explains he wanted to set his throne on high i will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north if you look at footnote one uh zaphon there zaphon was a mountain in the far northern regions of regions of the land of canaan and that was supposed to be the seat of the 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 highest of the canaanite gods was supposed to be there in zaphon and so this is i want to uh, to to ascend there but it's not just that i want to ascend even higher than that verse 14 and make myself like the most high and therein again is the problem of satan satan wanted to be like god and left his created position and ended up being kicked out of heaven as part of his rebellion so do you think that this is a fair interpretation to say this is not only the leader of babylon in a human sense but it also uh, represent something beyond itself. It's in some way yeah. pointing to Satan himself. Yeah, I do. I do. And uh, we've talked about it in our study of the gospel of John, right? When John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that right. he spoke better than he knew. Yeah. And I think here, Isaiah, the prophet under the the guidance of the Holy spirit may have written or spoken better than he knew. Hmm. Yeah. So I never understood how or why the devil would I mean, this makes no sense to me. Right. Why is this guy? He's like, oh yeah, I want to be like God. I, I should be like God. How full of yourself do you have to be to really think that's a good idea? Right. Wow. Right. And, and even in, in this exceeds the, the time limits that we have for ourselves, but in the stasis of the perfect existence that was heaven, what's the catalyst? How does evil enter into perfect creation? Right. Yeah. What's the catalyst that causes Lucifer, which means that the shining one, Right or morning star what's the catalyst that snaps before the existence of time whence forth does evil come right yeah that's a that's a difficult question and ultimately we'd have to say god sovereignly ordains it ordains it through the means of satan who himself uh, makes a decision to to do that to bring about his purposes and part of those purposes as we talked about in one of the recent episodes is that judgment would come whether that's judgment of the ungodly who have rejected Christ or judgment at the cross, right? Because that's the pinnacle of the glory. And we'll talk about that. John 17, right? John 17, Jesus says the hour has come for, for you to glorify the son. Yeah. And that pinnacle of the glory is the wrath of God being poured out on Christ on, on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That's right. It doesn't happen if Lucifer doesn't rebel. You're going to make us wait till 2027 before we get to John 17. We'll see. <laughs> hey, uh, chapter, where are we? We're still in chapter 14. Yeah. Mercy. Um, Sorry, yeah. guys. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 
No more playing around. uh, Chapter 14, verses 24 and following. He turns to Assyria again. um, And uh, and here he's uh, reminding the Assyrians there of his sovereign power and authority. As I've planned it, so shall it be. As I've purposed, so shall it stand. I'm going to break the Assyrians in my land. In other words, the Assyrians are not going to ultimately accomplish their intent. And they do take captive the, the northern kingdom. They do uh, conquer Israel to the north, but they, when they try to conquer Jerusalem to the south, they are uh, vanquished. They're not That's able to right. do that. The That's Lord goes story. out and fights for them, yep. for Israel. Yeah. And uh, the Israelites go, the Jerusalem inhabitants go out and they find all the stuff just laying on the ground there. Yep. And they're like, oh, okay. God wins. Um, yeah. And then there's this oracle concerning the Philistines. There's a question about why the Philistines are brought into the picture here. It's in part because you'll notice there in the year King Ahaz died. Okay, so Ahaz dies. There's instability there. There's a potential that the Philistines approached Israel for a potential uh, treaty together as Israel was was looking at foreign nations to trust in these foreign nations during this time to, mm-hmm. to for their own preservation. And this could have been God through Isaiah reminding them, do not do this because that is not what I have, I have chosen to do. Or it could have been Ahaz's death prompted the Philistines to bow up a little bit and think that maybe they could swoop in and, and conquer the Southern kingdom there as well. And again, here the prophet is saying, Hey, this isn't going to happen. Right. Does verse 29 talk about a dragon? Why or why not? The flying fiery serpent. You see that rejoice. Not Philistia, all of you forth from an adder and its fruit will be a flying fiery serpent. <sighs> I, I don't know because when you look, for example, uh, the the situation with the, the serpents in the wilderness that were sent to bite the Israelites, they're described as, as fiery, fiery serpents, right. right? So I don't think we're looking at those and saying, well, those were, were dragons. Oh, so sure. I think there's an element there of potentially the, the pain inflicted by the bite of whatever this creature is right. was a, a burning sensation. And that's what the, the yeah, concept that, is. Um, right. going in, yeah. So I don't think we're dealing with a dragon per se, but okay. Yeah. I don't think so either. Uh, just to throw it out there. I read that and I'm like, Oh, that looks interesting. Uh, clearly, I think, I think God is through the pen of Isaiah trying to make a point about Philistia, um, about their about the, the weaponization of their armies and of their of their uh, their their onslaught, uh, flying fiery serpent. I don't know what the flight necessarily represents, but I do. I think obviously this hurts, and, and maybe they're swift. They're swift, right. And they're effective, right. Right. Well, chapter 15, then he turns to Moab. Okay. And, and, and here's what to, to note on Moab. Moab is, is suffering under the, the onslaught of the Assyrians as well. And here's what's going to happen is this, that's what chapter 15 is really describing is they're suffering. They're falling under the judgment of God as well through this situation. Chapter 16, they're going to be invited to come and take refuge in Israel and in Judah and in the God of Israel and Judah more specifically. And they're going to deny, they're going to reject that. So chapter 15 is really setting the stage and setting the table for what's going to come when we talk about it tomorrow in chapter 16, dealing with their rejection of this offer, this treaty that's even extended there, this olive branch that's extended to to Moab here. Amen. All right. Well, let's flip over to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Let's finish Galatians today. Galatians 6. I like Galatians six, not Galatians five, four, three, two, or one. Well, yeah, me neither. I only like Galatians six too. You know what? (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) Galatians six, what we have at the very beginning, when he's talking about uh, bearing one another's burdens, if anyone's caught in a trespass, uh, you are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. What we find here is the beginning steps of the Matthew 18 church discipline process. When you see someone in sin, the first step is you as an individual one-on-one going up to that person and pointing out their sin, calling it to their attention and seeking to restore the person. 
in a spirit of, of gentleness. That's the ultimate goal. Right. It doesn't always work out that way. Right. Because the, the rest of the church discipline process would lead to potentially, uh, in the worst case situation, them being put out of, of the church. But even that is an act done towards the intention of their restoration. That's right. That they would one day come to their senses and be reconciled. Pastor P.J. does Compass Bible Church practice church discipline? We do practice church discipline. Yeah. And it's going to look different from uh, for, for our church probably than it did from our sending church. For example, I know in our sending church, which was a larger congregation, uh, church discipline, that final stage was carried out by going to the sub-congregational ministry that the, that the person was most closely uh, identified with right. and announcing it there. That was the public telling it to the church, so to speak. Other churches do it differently. I've been to larger churches where on their Sunday evening service, that's when they've dealt with church discipline situations. And I've been there as a, as a visitor and they, they just announce it right there during announcements. Hey, we, we need to do some family business. And so if you're new with us, we apologize, but Hey, look, this person so-and-so has been approached and, and now they're, they're out of the church. Um, we haven't had that situation present itself as yet. of yet. Right. Um, and so we haven't, we haven't really necessarily crossed that, that bridge, but the reason why our sending church did it in the sub congregation is the, the point that we just talked about It's for restoration. So we want to make sure that those that were informing of this are those that have the greatest chance of still calling that person to repentance. So if, if you're in a church of 3000 people and the pastor stands up and says, you know, Joe Domino over here did this and now they're out of the church and you've never crossed path paths with that person, it almost becomes more fodder for gossip than it does a practical opportunity for you to call that brother to repentance there. I'm not saying that it's wrong right. to do it that way. I'm just saying, I think we need to be careful about how we do it and why we do it. Uh, we certainly want to do it because it's a biblical precedent and we will do it as needed. Right. And we want to do it in a way where we're protecting the people. Um, what if someone says, Hey, you guys don't have formal membership. How do you even practice church discipline without that? <laughs> We, uh, we would say we have uh, membership in the sense that we know those that are a part of our church body, those that are attending, those that are connecting, those that are serving. We would say, and I, I have said in our one-on-one class and things, that is what membership looks like here at Compass Bible Church. Um, our, membership is, is one of those issues wherein uh, some of it is, is culturally informed because scripture does not provide chapter and verse on this is what membership looks like this is what is involved you right. should have file cabinets and so forth and so on <laughs> and roles that said we live in a culture in, in a region of the country right now where a lot of the churches in our area have formal membership right. and our sending church didn't because one of the big influences at our sending church was the calvary church movement and the right. calvary churches don't do formal membership so culturally they they, they contextualize they look at the landscape and they said we're, we're not going to practice formal membership we're still in our stages of, of forming some of our thoughts on that now as a church plant as we get launched here at compass bible church but regardless we want to say we know who's part of our flock that's and right. that's what's important and for us what does that mean well we would look at the those three points attending connecting and serving and if you're doing that then you're telling us hey they're pastor rob pastor pj they're my pastors right. and we're going to look at you and say we're your pastors and if we need to, to pursue church discipline we're going to pursue church discipline here that's right helpful answer uh, Galatians 6, 6, I think it's important to, to hit on this note. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Um, we've mentioned a few times of generosity and giving already in, right. in first and second Corinthians and said, this is not the giving in the church. This is not the tithing. And this is not the offering section of, 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 uh, the worship service. 
That's not true in Galatians 6, 6. This is talking about that concept. It's done by your church giving. Right. This is why it, it's important to do this. This is why it's it's important to give to the, the church during that time. And that when we say attending connect, attend, connect, serve, you'll notice one of the things that's not included in that is the concept of giving. But we would say that's part of our attending because part of the worship service, which is what we're attending and what we're doing mm-hmm. is participating in the components of the worship service. And so singing, that's going to be a part of it. Listening to the preaching of the word, that's going to be a part of it giving is also going to be a part of it. And so this is an act of worship. This is something that we're called to do. And Paul's commending it is it's appropriate to do this because the one that teaches you the word is, uh, is worthy of you sharing good things with that, that person in that concept. Right. There's, there's so many other things too, that the church funds go to, but that's not a small part of it. Right. You do support your pastors and and that's a big deal. And I remember when I, when I read this before I was a pastor, I was like, Oh, I didn't realize how, how, how much of a, imperative that is. And in fact, that is an imperative. It, even though it says in verse six, Hey, let it be this way. Yeah. Um, the word for share, yeah, that's, that's an imperative share all good things with the one who teaches, make sure that this, this, uh, this thing happens in your, in your life. And it's good. It's a benefit church for you to have pastors that are supported by the church. And, and let me just really quick tell you why it, it frees us up. Like when our job is to full time, care for the flock here at Compass Bible Church. Yeah. That's helpful for you because that's our, our you are our job for the entirety of our time. Right, no side hustles. Right? We're not tent making on the side. We're not, you know, working at, at as a pizza delivery guy on the side to make it, we're, we're not having to do these things that pull us away from shepherding the flock. And so this allows us to shepherd the flock with effectiveness. And, and listen, that podcasts, sets the podcast, all that stuff, everything. right? And it sets the bar high for us because we want to be wise stewards of these funds. We value, we understand, and we ourselves are under the obligation of Galatians 6, 6 as well. This yeah. is not something that pastors are not exempt from giving. Um, and that's true of, of the two of us as well. And so I, you know, I don't, I don't want to push this issue too hard. It's, it's an uncomfortable one in, in, in some ways for us as pastors to talk about, but it's important because it's part of the clear instruction of the scriptures there. So that's right. We're grateful. We're, we're thankful for our church and thankful for, uh, uh, just these, these concepts. So there's so much more in Galatians six, but Hey, we're going to hit this again next year. <laughs> and when we hit it again next year, maybe we'll talk about and over the course topics. of 10 years, you'll have everything you need to know from Galatians six yeah. and Isaiah. There you go. Well, hey, thanks for joining in for another episode of the Daily Bible Cod, Podcast. Codpast. Codpast. Podcast. We'll join you again tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. <laughs> or Codpast. See you then. Yes. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.